0: I was at home, um, pretty much the whole quarantine and we would zoom every morning at eight and then uh, I would go work out and then I would come home and I had the whole, my parents set up like a little, it looked like a obstacle course, but it was really just like, really just, we have a bunch of trees on our property. And so we had, they had like targets, like spray painted onto the trees they had gone and bought like these nets like cones set up trash cans to throw the balls into and i was like driving home from workouts one day and looked onto like the property as i was driving up and i just like this whole entire thing set up my parents are out there like cutting the grass (laughs) making it all pretty i was like well i can't ask for much more than this and so i like went up there and you know do my drills after i worked out um it was crazy because before i actually found a place to work out at I just was walking around the property with a chainsaw one day and was just like cutting down trees <laughs> and like cut down this tree and just use that as like I could lift it and bench it and put it on my back and squat it. So I just tried making the best of what I had.
1: Hey everybody, welcome, hey, welcome to another episode of Hey Fighting Podcast. The official podcast of LSU football, as always, Cody Worsham, digital media reporter for LSU Athletics. Glad to be here today, recording from home, working from home, as I'm sure many of you are still. Please stay safe and stay healthy out there. However, last week I was able to get up to football ops for a round of socially distanced interviews. And one of the guys that I talked with was, of course, as you know from the title of this episode that you just clicked on, and whatever podcast feed you are choosing to listen from, that man was Miles Brennan, LSU quarterback, LSU junior quarterback, and we talked about a number of things. Uh, One of the things that we talked about was his weight, and I just want to put this out there now. You kind of hear me talk about it on the show. I want everyone to stop asking Miles Brennan about his weight. It's weird. It was weird when I asked him. I knew it was going to be weird. Um, He gets asked that question probably more than any question, and I want you to just put yourself in Miles Brennan's shoes for a second and think about how weird it would be. If every time you sat down to talk with somebody, they asked you about your weight. It's it's just it's a little uncomfortable, right? It's something that normal human beings don't do in normal conversation, but for some reason in football we've normalized it. So I'm sorry that I asked him the question, but look, since I asked it, if you're a, a media member or you know a media member, let them know now. You don't have to ask the question anymore. It's been answered. His weight is not going to change, it's gonna stay the same. Hopefully. And you don't have to ask anymore. So I asked the question. No one else has to ask it. It doesn't have to be weird anymore. We can move on. Uh, we did talk about more than Miles Brennan's weight. We talked about a lot of stuff. It was a great interview, a great conversation. You heard the clip that I played there at the beginning. That was from an interview that Miles did with Emily Dixon um, that you'll probably see on LSU football's Twitter account. At some point, we're still trying to figure out the scheduling for that. I stole that answer because it was so good and so interesting. And I was mad that I didn't ask the question that Emily asked, which was a good question. What did you do for working out while you were at home in quarantine? And Miles' answer was awesome. Um, it not only was interesting, like just the picture of Miles walking around, like picking up tree trunks and and fallen limbs and like doing bicep curls with sycamore tree Limbs and all that kind of stuff. This is funny in my head, but it also shows you the dedication um, that he's putting into his craft. And I think the theme of this episode and the theme of Miles in general is patience. Like he has been so patient in his LSU career, um, he's being patient through this process. Which, imagine that. Put your again, put yourself in his shoes. Imagine waiting three, four years for your turn, and it finally arrives. And these are the terms that you're dealt. These, these, this is the hand. The year dealt. We don't know what the season's going to look like. We 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 talk on on that a little bit. Um, we don't know what the season's going to look like right now. I'm recording this on July 21st. Me and Miles talked uh, a couple days before that. We have no idea what the season's going to be like. Um, don't know if there's going to be fans. Don't know if it's going to be normal. Don't know if it's going to be fans with masks. Don't know if it's going to be a normal schedule. Don't know if it's going to be a change schedule. All that we can do is continue to prepare for the season as if it's going to happen perfectly normally. And there are people that are above me at LSU and above me at the SEC that are making those decisions. And whatever they decide, we'll roll with. But you know that that's something that Miles has to contend with. And I think his mentality is, is excellent. You'll hear him discuss it a little bit in the episode to come. His mentality is perfect. You just have to prepare as if you're going to play the season that's scheduled. And he's certainly been preparing. He's been preparing for this moment. For a very long time, and I, for one, am excited. I've seen Miles um, grow over his career. I've seen him in scrimmages. There were scrimmages last year where Joe was out and Miles stepped in and just was dropping dimes. I mean, there's even video on some of the the camp videos that we put out last season of Miles just dropping dimes to Jamar Chase for touchdowns. Um, He's got all the talent in the world. He's got all the preparation in the world. I have full confidence that whatever the season looks like, Miles Brennan is going to be very good this year. And selfishly, I hope he's um, he, he's very good this year and very good next year. I hope he comes back for a fifth year, um, just selfishly, because I think he could be one of the most prolific quarterbacks um, to come through LSU uh, in, in, in recent history. And I know the guy that he's succeeding. And we certainly talked about the process of succeeding that guy and the success that Joe Burrow had and the things that he learned from Joe Burrow. But trust me, Miles Brennan is going to make his own impact on this program. I'm confident in that, and I think a lot of LSU fans are confident in that. Coach O is confident in that. Most importantly, Miles Brennan is confident in that. So I'm excited for this conversation. Sorry for the long intro. Just had a few things that I wanted to say before we got to the interview, and now I'm done saying those things. So let's uh, let's go ahead and throw it to my interview with LSU quarterback Miles Brennan. All right, uh, now sitting down with LSU Junior quarterback Miles Brennan, Jr right Fourth year going Correct. into your fourth year. We were just kind of talking about this off mic, but um, you might be the most patient man in the universe when you think about you know not just your time at LSU where you know I remember you come in as a freshman and and uh, there's a lot of hype around you and it's a you know, especially at LSU, like quarterback has always had this this microscope on it because the play had been so inconsistent. And that's that's obviously changed now. But you come in as a freshman, and it feels like you've been here for a long time. Did you did you enroll early? Were you an old, early? I was early? not.
0: No, my high school didn't allow it. Okay,
1: <laughs> so but I guess it was because you were you were an early relatively early commitment, right. um, and, and so it feels like you've been in our lives for a long time, and you've waited your time, and this is your year, and now you have yet another obstacle to overcome with. Covid, which is affecting everybody um mentally how are you how are you right now? do you feel like you've do you feel like all the waiting that you've done has prepared you for this? Do you feel frustrated because you've been waiting and now you got to wait a little bit more and you have some uncertainty to deal with like how are you doing mentally with all this
0: yeah i mean i've you know i've I've been using this time that I've been waiting and just trying to you know prepare myself for. For, for my time um, and I feel like a lot of the obstacles that have been thrown my way I've used to to just get better and to persevere and you know I feel like I'm going to come out stronger and I have come out stronger than when I came in here um, and you know with COVID it's you know it's just another obstacle in the way you know and I feel like as a team and and, and personally I feel like we're going to get through it and then we're all going to be stronger on the backside, um, and I feel like this is just preparing us for another great season. So
1: I kind of want to quickly i don't want to keep you here all day but i kind of want to take take back through your career and kind of look at how it's prepared you for now the first place and the easiest place to start with that is the question that you get asked more than anything is about your weight which i already asked you about when you walked in um i can't imagine being asked about my weight like i'm putting the the shoe i'm putting your shoes on right now and imagine someone asking about my weight all the time and i'm kind of embarrassed to be asking you this now but you do look bigger you look like you've you've really bulked up so all of our fans are uh, on their on their uh, edges of their seats waiting to hear about this. so how much are you weighing now? Um, what were you when you arrived? and you know just kind of talk about that that process of um, I, I gotta imagine it's tireless of just trying to trying to get your body right for for the SEC
0: right yeah, I mean so currently I weigh 220, which is where I want to be, and I feel very confident at my weight now. Um, I came in at I mean I was probably 175 <laughs> when I got here freshman New year and you're what six, five? Six, like four? Six, four. okay yeah um and so i literally looked just like a, a green bean you know and that's what everybody <laughs> would call me and the sec came out and called me the slim reaper you know it's just like <laughs> that's a good nickname yeah it wasn't a bad nickname. Katie didn't like it but i like, other it, other but I like the, it other than the slim part you know but uh <laughs> you're not the slim reaper anymore yeah. just the reaper <laughs> <laughs> but you know it was just it was very difficult from then to now um my body i, I guess is just not made to be have a wide frame you know and i ate more food than anybody can imagine and the strength staff was on me every single day since i got here and i was in here at six o'clock eating in front of the strength coaches drinking you know protein shakes in front of them at six o'clock before class that's that's so uncomfortable like someone watching you eat i mean (laughs) it's funny there was one time where i came in and i ate like it was four breakfast sandwiches and drank four core powers (laughs) And I'm trying to get to class. And I was Dude, like, that's like
1: 2,500 calories yeah.
0: right there. <laughs> like, man, I don't feel good. So I ran to the bathroom and <laughs> I threw it all up. <laughs> so I didn't tell anybody because I had to restart. But <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh, so, man. But, no, it's just, you know, it, just eating a lot. And I have a very high metabolism. So, you know, I, I, I wore one of, the, like, the Apple Watches one day. And with workouts and practice and, like, everything in between, I'm burning like around six thousand calories, seven thousand calories. That's a day, crazy, you know, which is insane. So if I'm eating five thousand calories, it's I'm like in the negatives, yep. you know. So I'm having to literally go beyond measures to just get some sort of you know nutrients in my body to you know use. But hopefully, I, I've kept where I'm at. I mean, you know, I've been to I've been around like the two eighteen to two twenty one range since quarantine. So that makes me feel good that I can you know I've been that's been you know th- f- at least three and a half months that I've actually been able to keep the weight on um and i you know i'm just really continuing to just you know muscle obviously is very important but also just keeping that weight on
1: um is it is it are you still having to eat like crazy like that or can you kind of have you because we were talking about this too like half of it is what you're eating how you're exercising half of it is genetics right Right. like some of it you just can't control like from my experience, I remember like I played college basketball for a couple of years, and no matter how much I lifted, I couldn't get that much stronger. Right. And like now, I'm in my 30s, and I can lift way lighter and like put on more muscle just because i think it's just like i i was a late bloomer physically or whatever the the case is um is is like how much of it now is your body's caught up and you can kind of go back to normal you're not having to stuff your face in front of tommy Moffat and strength coaches
0: yeah it's 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 kind of gotten back to normal you know where i can eat i mean i eat breakfast lunch and dinner obviously but then you know it, it used to be snack breakfast snack lunch snack dinner snack you know so it was like never there was never more than like they made a whole chart for me. I would I could not go more than like an hour gap without eating something. That's crazy. You know, so now I can at least like eat eat breakfast, drink my protein shake. I'll eat lunch, um, and then I'll usually eat a snack in between lunch and dinner, and then I'll eat dinner. And The only problem is is I eat dinner. You know, depending on with football and stuff, maybe around like six o'clock. But then by the time nine o'clock comes, I'm starving. Yeah. You know, so then I'm I'm eating another meal, yeah. which is good. You know, right before going to bed. Um, but yeah, I'm not eating. I'm not stuffing my my face like you said, so it's it's been a little bit did better. You
1: ever, did you ever watch The Office? Kevin Maloney, had yes, like I second have, breakfast and yeah. third <laughs> breakfast. That's right up your alley. I literally
0: could have I could have recorded my own office show just <laughs> on that episode.
1: That's crazy, man. Well, let's kind of go back to your your development as a player um, throughout the years. Here, you show up, and I feel like quarterback, especially now, especially like now, not necessarily when you arrive, but now. There is a I be- I know more freshman quarterbacks are playing and there's been studies about that, but there is a benefit to having time under your belt. And Joe showed that last year, um, even like, I, I know Tua came in running, but even last year, he had a couple years under his belt. It feels like a lot of the better quarterbacks do have a little bit of time to develop. You showed up as a freshman and you're thrown right into the middle of a quarterback battle. Um, was that something you were expecting? Was that something that you wanted? Was that something that, um, that you embraced? How did it impact you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I knew it. I knew it was coming, um, you know. But that was when Matt Canada was here, and his offense was completely different than anything. A, I had seen, you know, much less coming out of high school. I, I'd yeah. never taken a snap from under center, much less the shifting, the mo- like. It just was. It was completely new to me. Um, so it took me a, a little bit to learn that. Um, and then, I mean, literally the first day I was going out there, you know, taking reps with the twos, and you know, I'm just kind of sitting here just my I was in seven different places at one time. You yeah. Know, like I didn't you know, just making sure everything was right. Um and then, you know, from there it was just and then after my freshman year, Matt Camden leaves and then, you know, Coach Insminger comes in and, and brings his offense back, which was more of like the traditional LSU style offense. Yeah. You know, play action, you know, throw it, run it. Um and so I learned a lot more just you know, that was when Joe would come in, just talking with Joe and learning, you know, from Coach Inzminger. Um and then that year, and then the next year, Coach Brady comes in, and then it's a whole other offense that you know that we have to learn. Um, but I feel like personally, just just in terms of being on the field, you know, from freshman year to sophomore year to this past year, just like just being more comfortable, you know, and just being confident, and just telling myself like, I mean, this is just a game, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, in terms of like, I've been doing this my whole life, you know, it's it's the same game I've been playing when I was six, seven years old, you yeah. know. Um, but you know, this past year I felt like I was just a lot more comfortable in the pocket, you know. I don't feel like I was as antsy, you know, and. And I, learned, I mean, that was, I, really feel like that was just with maturity and, and just understanding the game and you know just feeling comfortable being back there.
1: When when Joe transfers in, um, the the two other guys that were in the room with you transferred out eventually.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you stayed. Why did you stay? You know, I, f- I mean, I, I came here for a reason, um, and you know, I, I, I stay true to my word, and you know, I, I understand why people do transfer, and I mean, I'm not. Against it, um, any means, because I, I, these players have to do what's best for them and their families. Um, but I knew being here would be best for me, especially with this coaching staff and the surrounding staff that's here at LSU. Um, and, you know, I mean, we brought in Joe, and, you know, it, if I would have left, you know, I would have lost these two years of learning behind, you know, one of the greatest you know, football, you know, quarterback in college football. Um, and you know, the, the things that I just took away from him alone. Have made me such a better player, much less, you know, just being around this team and playing the games that we've played in uh, has just helped me a lot. Can you explain to outsiders the
1: dynamic of a quarterback room, especially when there is competition for a job? And, like, from my perspective, you're competing with a guy. It's hard to be, again, my perspective, to be friends with that guy, to be close with that guy when his success. And your success are inversely related in in some ways, at least when it comes to playing time. So with Joe in particular, um, who's not the most outgoing guy, not the most like socially gregarious guy. He's a nice guy, and he's right. a he's a I, th- I think an excellent teammate. But w- what's that dynamic like when um, when you're competing with somebody and you want the job and he wants the job and you don't get it, like just. To me, that seems so complex. Was it not that complex? Is it much simpler than that?
0: No, I mean, you're exactly right. Um, I mean, it, it really started in fall camp. Um, and, you know, it was just, yeah, I mean, not many words were spoken. I mean, we both knew what was on the line. Um, and it is very difficult because you're in the same room. You know, the cor- you're, you're expected to be the leader of this team, you know, and, and you're one to encourage not only the teammates in your own room, but, you know, all the other players around you. But it's just very hard to, you know, Cheer for the person that you're competing against after they just threw a touchdown and they just made a good play. Yeah. You know, like something that, you know, that the coaches are gonna recognize. Uh, it's you know, it's just hard to sit back there and be like, oh yeah, you know, good job, you yeah. know, when you're sitting there, you know, trying to compete for the same job. You know, but once all once all the pieces fell into place, um, you know, I, I just told myself, look, like just use this to get better. You know, like okay, they named Joe the starter, um, you know, work, you know, harder than anybody on this team every day. And you know, just make sure that I'm ready at any point in time that I would have needed to go in.
1: <clears throat> a lot of guys say stuff like that, but I feel like with you, Coach O went out of his way several times, um, even after Joe won the job, to talk about how hard you were working, especially with the like the leadership aspect. Um, and I'd seen a few workouts and a few practices, and I could tell that you were you were you were trying to to do that. You were trying to. Um, to go about things the right way, which a lot of guys say the right things, but it's different to do the right things. Did you have to talk yourself into it? Did you have to make a deliberate effort? Like, this is what I'm going to do today. Or did it come naturally to you? Some guys, it just comes naturally too.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I think I think at first I had to tell myself that. You know, I mean, that was it was very hard, you know, to, to battle all the way through camp. And then a week before we played Miami, you know, they named Joe the starter, you know, and it just, it, it was, you know, those first couple of days were, were hard to deal with. And then after that, you know, I was like, look, like, I, like my time's going to come, you know, and, and I don't want to be a guy that's just going to veer off and, you know, just be in the back of the line. And, you know, because I'm still a quarterback, you know, and, and I'm still, you know, expected to lead and I still am going to lead. Um, and so that, that's why I really just had the mindset that whether I'm on scout team, you know, trying to get, make the defense better or whatever I'm doing, you know, I'm going to do it the best I can and make sure that, you know, when, when they look at me, that they're not being like, you know, what is he doing? You know, he's he's taking advantage of the time that he's here.
1: So at some point when we figure out like how we're going to do media and interviews and stuff, you're going to be sitting in front of reporters and it's going to happen all year. They're going to ask you about, would you learn from Joe? And, um, it's always going to, Joe is always going to come up in the conversation. Is that something you're comfortable with? Is that something that your, your, your response is going to be, Hey, like I'm, I'm here to make a name for myself or like how how do you kind of handle that aspect of it? Because you now, and you know, this, you have, one of the toughest challenges in college football history, which is, you know, Joe was the best quarterback in college football history. You now have to follow that guy. That's really tough.
0: How have you prepared for that? What's your,
1: like, what's kind of your reaction to that? Right,
0: yeah. I mean, look, like, I have the most utmost respect for Joe and what he did here. Um, But, you know, when I get asked those questions, you know, I try and tell myself, like, you know, like he's gone, you know, and he's no longer here and he's no longer going to be playing for LSU. And, like, it's time for... You know me to step into that role, and you know I, I can talk about what he did, but talking about you know last even last year's team and what we did last year is not going to, and talking about Joe is not going to help us in the in the in the future. Yeah. You know, it's not going to do any good for us reflecting what we did last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is time to, you know, I, I, Joe's going to get all the credit that he deserves, you know, in interviews and things like that. But at the same time, you know, it is it, it's my time, you know, and, and I I fully understand that, and you know, I'm going to do you know, everything in my power to, to make, you know, take full advantage of that.
1: So I was just talking with Jamar, and, and he talked about how, you know, y'all are throwing three times a week and getting together. What are the things that you're doing to make that transition from the guy on the sidelines to the guy that's under fire every single game? How are you preparing yourself, not just mentally, physically, every aspect? How are you kind of getting prepared for that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I it's crazy. I mean, really not much has changed because, you know, I prepared – Every single week, you know, as if I was going to be the starter, and just in case anything were to happen, I was going to have to go in that, you know, the rest of the game, the rest of the season, and and, and you know, play like I was the starter. Um, so I, I really prepared, you know, as, as the best I could every single week. Now it's really just, you know, getting the timing down with the receivers, and you know, just having that terminology to where we can communicate different things, and getting you know dips right, and just actually being the guy that's that's doing the action and not just standing behind and listening, you know, so I feel like that's just been the most important thing um, as we are working in the off season.
1: Has, has Steven's minger kind of been the constant for you? Cause you've talked about um, earlier when we were just talking about the change in coordinators and, you know, you were recruited by one group and then you come in and play for another and then there's kind of a, a transition there. Um, but Steve feels like he's been, he, he became your coach, after your first year, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's kind of been there through it all. H- how important has he been to, to you and your development?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been really important. I mean, since I've been here, he's kind of been like the like my foundation. You know, he's been like my starting point. I mean, when I came in, he was coaching tight ends. And then that next year, you know, he took over the quarterback room. And then from there on, he's been in there. Uh, and just to have a guy like him and a coach with, with all of his knowledge, and then he's the, – the thing I – like about him the most is, I mean, he's played the position and he's played it here, you know, so he knows, he knows what he's talking about. You yeah. know, he's not just a, a you know, a, a quarterback coach. I mean, he's actually played the position. Um, but yeah, he's definitely been, definitely been like, I mean, I like to say just like the, the rock of my foundation since I've been here. I feel like y'all have some like, um,
1: some overlap too like personality wise like i'm sure he's an outdoorsman loves yeah. to hunt and fish yeah. i know you like to hunt and yeah. fish y'all connect on a personal level too
0: yeah definitely i mean we uh you know we joke around a lot um and then you know on the weekends he'll always ask you know he always asked you can go fishing you go hunting I <laughs> you know, just like no it's not this weekend you know but uh you know there's been times where you know he's like yeah man i'm you know taking my grandson out and we caught you know redfish back so you know we we, we do um, connect on a personal level more than just, you know, being in the quarterback room. How many fish did you catch during, uh, during quarantine slash lockdown? <laughs> I mean, I, I really, surprisingly, I really didn't go fishing much yeah. uh, just because, you know, I mean, everything was close, you know, yeah. whether it was like, Bait shops, marinas. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but there was I, I did go on one uh, one offshore trip uh, and we caught nineteen yellowfin. There you go. Yeah, so that was that was the that was my one trip during quarantine. That's a good way to put on weight. Yeah. You just eat a bunch of yellowfin. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, I mean my freezer is packed. I had to buy a commercial freezer just to put the tuna nice. in the freezer. Nice, nice. That's a good it's uh, a good, good
1: problem to have. Yeah. Um, we talked about Coach Ensminger as a as a mentor. Um, this is a little bit random, and it it may be based on nothing. Have you talked with Matt Flynn at all? Because I feel like the Matt Flynn model is like, is whatever. I mean, the number is obviously people right. going to throw that in there, but he waited his t- time. He waited behind. Uh, Jamarcus who was incredibly mm-hmm. productive. Um, have you talked with him at all? Have you formed a relationship with him?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen Matt. Um, you know, so my freshman year, Matt would always come and work with like Danny and Lindsay and those guys out on yeah. the practice field. And you know, I first got here, and you know, I I didn't really know who he was, you know, and I was like. I, I was talking to Jack Marucci, and it's like, yeah, you know, that's Matt Flynn. And then I was like, oh, that's crazy. And then you know, I, from there on, I, I started going out there and working with them, you know. And so that's really when him and I started talking and connecting. And then from there on, it was just like seeing him in the training room, and you know, just like having little conversations. or seeing him before games, after games, and so yeah, he's uh, he's spent a lot of knowledge with me, and you know, again, he's played here, he's played the position, and he he has a lot to to share. How was the installation of an offense, which I know is still ongoing,
1: but not being able to get out on the practice field and do it um, with with the guys in a in a practice type setting? You do have a new passing game coordinator coming in and Coach Linehan, um, so there's there's some different things. What was that process like? Do you feel like maybe mentally you're a little bit further ahead and you just have to catch up on the field? Like, how, how does that develop?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, in terms of us you know, only getting three practices in the spring, Um, you know, and and Coach Lenahan coming in. You know, I feel like mentally I'm – you know, I feel like I've mentally have progressed a lot, you know, during – I guess we can still call it the quarantine period, you know, when I was at home. Um, You know, we were Zooming every morning at 8 o'clock, and we were able to to watch film. Um, Then the coaches were game planning, so we were, you know, watching – our whole our whole season you know our, our whole um schedule we are watching every each uh team week to week whether it was blitz cut ups or coverages or fronts you know whatever it may be um and then now since we've been able to be back, been back uh I've uh, taken advantage of our virtual room here you know that, that's in the defensive room and the room yeah it's it's really not been the past couple of years I've been here offense really I never used it yeah you know, I went to Coach O before spring and just like I didn't even know it could be used for offense you know I thought it was strictly a defensive thing yeah. I did, didn't know what the, how the software worked and so he brought like the owner of this or one of the guys that worked for this company he brought him in and they set the whole thing up for offense and nice. so I've spent a lot of time in there uh really just with like blitzes and protections and you know just it's it, it's a really really helpful room um just in terms of seeing the field completely and you know being able to go through your calls and checks um, and then, you know, I feel like once I get out in the field, you know, I feel like everything's going to just, just start firing off, you know, just because of what I've done to prepare mentally. I feel like once you get on the field, everything's just going to start flowing.
1: I remember
0: talking to Jack in like
1: February, it was before everything shut down. And he mentioned he was looking at some like VR technology. Is that related to that or yeah. is that something separate?
0: Well, so, so we, I, I just call it the virtual room, but I guess it is the walkthrough room right over here. Um, so what Jack's talking about, I, I'm pretty sure was with, um, there was like these, we did. We were talking about, like, the virtual reality yeah. goggles. Yeah, I yeah. remember talking about that. Um, but I know also what he's done for the receivers is, like, this company comes in and they put, like, a – I don't even know how to explain it. It's, like, goggles. Is the eye tracking yeah, thing. Yeah, the eye tracking thing, uh, which is very helpful as a quarterback to know that. And then it's very helpful for them, you know, to know for receivers, you know, which eyes dominate, things like that. But I think we still are working on getting – I think it was, like, the virtual reality actual headset and being able to, like – Actually, go play a live game. Just yeah. Standing there, so yeah, I think, yeah. It's, I think that'd be beneficial. Um,
1: yeah, especially if you can't get out on the field, right that would be any, any tool you can get. I asked Jamar this. I'll ask it from the the quarterback's perspective. What's the difference between getting three days a weekend with Jamar, with Terrace, with Racy, with all those guys in that room, and getting to know them and and developing chemistry with them versus I take you in the indoor right now and. Bring some random receiver from some random place and you run routes with him. How how much of a difference does that make? Because we hear it every summer. Oh, they're they're throwing and they're getting together and they're working on their chemistry, and it almost sounds like a talking point. Right. But like practically, how much of a difference does it actually make?
0: A lot. You know, and, and when I think about it, I when I talk about it, I try and put it in perspective. Like when you go to a camp when you're in high school and you go to a college camp and you're throwing to receivers that you have no idea who they are. Yeah. You know, you might have, you know, a guy who runs a four. 4-4, four, four, and then you might have a guy that runs a 4-9, you know, and, and you're still taking a three-step drop, and you know they're telling you to take a three-three and a hitch is what we call it, and one guy is going to be out of his break, and the other guy's still going to be running his route. Yeah. You know, it's just really, you know, that's it's a it's a crucial thing to get the timing down, you know, because at this level and and in any conference really, you know, but especially the SEC, you don't have time to wait for the receiver to get open. You know, like the windows are so small that anticipation is. Probably the biggest factor you know knowing where he's going to be on a certain route and you know all the receivers run the routes differently you yeah. know i mean just for no reason other than they're all different you yeah. know but whether it's speed or whether they just have different techniques um so being able to know you know okay jamar's running this route you know they're in this coverage you know whatever and then okay Racy's on the other side you know just like being able to process all of that before the ball is snapped is is really important
1: yeah it's almost like it's got to become subconscious like Definitely. i feel like that was what we saw last year was there was a subconscious like almost understanding and you can't force that and you can't you can't expect it to just happen because you're talented it almost
0: develops over time have you felt that development i definitely have i mean i and it's also something that you can't teach you know you can't teach like to anticipate a throw um but i know during, during um you know, just, just since we've been throwing, since we've been back and previously, you know, I know Coach Ansbringer will call me after every time we throw. And, you know, I've – I just – I personally feel that where our guys are at right now is, you know, light years ahead of, of where we probably would have been if, if we wouldn't have been able to get this work in. Yeah. You know, and I just feel very confident with, with how throwing is going and how the receivers are looking and how tight ends and running backs are looking. You know, I just – It makes me excited because I know this is, you know, I know what we're capable of doing.
1: Just a couple more for you, and we'll wrap up. Um, The uncertainty of the season, number of games, schedule, all that stuff, fans, no fans. My approach and what I do has been I'm just going to not ignore it, but I'm just going to be as optimistic as possible. And until I'm told differently, I'm going to prepare for what's on the docket. Because if if I dive into speculation, it does, like, I could talk for hours and hours about it, it does no good because you don't know what's going to happen is it a similar approach for you is it look I'm just preparing for what's on on the table and then if it changes it changes like how, how do you
0: approach that especially you
1: because you've been waiting for this moment so uh, how do you how do you kind of handle that
0: yeah I mean it the biggest thing is probably staying off of of, of Twitter you know always a good idea to stay always a Twitter. good <laughs> idea you know but much less you know right now just because everybody has their opinion yeah. you know and you have guys that don't even have a profile picture, you know, just like random people out there that just have no idea what the heck is going on, much less can control any decision. And that's really what I've been, you know, when, when I go home or if someone asks me like, you know, are we going to have a season? you are like, I have no control over the decision. You know, like if we do or we don't, like nobody has control over this decision, but you know, the NCAA or the SEC. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm, I just tell myself, look, just don't even worry about it, you know, because there's going to be so much talk, but until, they come out and say something we really right now I'm planning on playing a season as we all are, you yeah. know, and I'm working in the weight room and with the guys, you know, cause we could easily just, you know, we're not having a season just, you know, kind of slack off. But you know, if, if they do come out and say we are having a season, you know, I feel like we're going to be well ahead than any other team.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I was just thinking about it practically for my work. Like I have to, if I, if I spend any time on speculation, you just kind of, it's almost like getting in a boat and drifting out to sea. Like right. you could go out just, you know, you just have to focus on the task at hand right. and, and, uh, and, and treat it as if it's going to be normal. And if it's not, you just adjust from there. Um, just a couple more for you. I remember I was talking to Jamar, I think after he got the number seven, and I was asking him a couple questions about you. And he was talking about your arm. And we all, I always say this about you. Um, I've been covering LSU since 2010. And, you know, we always get to go out there, before I worked for LSU, we'd get to go out there and watch um, the little 15 minutes of warm-ups mm, or whatever, yeah. and, and the quarterbacks throw a little bit. And you were the best thrower of the ball in that setting that I had seen. Just like, like literally, you're, I could hear your ball like whistling, whistling through the air. Uh, and I mentioned that to Jamar. He's like, "Yeah, but he's like sometimes you gotta take a little bit off of it. Like it, it stings." But that touches on like the craftsmanship of it. Have you have you worked on that, the touch versus the when to rifle it in? And did you did you arrive as a freshman like, man, I'm just gonna come out here and sling it and like show people my arm, or is it just that's how you? football.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's just naturally, you know, just, you know, I'm not talking, you know, bragging about it. I think it's just my arm talent, yeah. you know, and I feel like that's just how I've thrown the ball. Um, but, you know, I realized throughout the years, um, you know, when – it was last year, Jack and, and his crew came out and they brought a radar gun out and Yeah. they literally spent like th- three or four practices, just like radaring Joe and I's throws, whether it was like a five to 10 yard throw, then 10 to 15, then 20 plus, you know, and just like what the velocity and the speed was on those throws and then like completion to incompletions. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I did have like a higher velocity in miles per hour than Joe did. But one thing, you know, that Jack came and talked to me about was like, look, I mean, you have an eight yard throw, you know, there's no reason to beam it into a running back's chest you know and and so i you know i i fully understand that and i nothing's on purpose you know but it's just something that i really never took into play yeah but yeah this whole off season i really have worked on on touch and it's a different touch rather than like aiming the ball and like trying to just float it there rather than just like you know, just taking some off and still yeah. finishing the throw. Um, and so they, uh, I I know they have seen a difference the receiver-wise because, I mean, we, we talk about it after, you know, each practice and you know, they'll joke with me about I throw the ball too hard. But, <laughs> you know, I, I really have – that really has been a main focus point of, of what I've been trying to get better on.
1: Yeah, I remember now in that conversation with Jack, he talked about throwing a catchable ball right. and how that had been a, a focus for you and how Joe threw a catchable ball and how you, that was something that you were – you were still working on, um, and it's almost like a you know like a second baseman. Like if you're a second baseman, like you can't just right. peg the the first baseman in the head with a with a fastball. Right. Like you have to kind of modulate your throw a little yeah. bit. Um, just curiosity. Do you remember what you were throwing on a radar? Like I, I don't know football velocity necessarily. Yeah.
0: So I know back in high school, I know Coach Warner from Ole Miss came down, and that was the first coach that had actually like brought a radar gun. Yeah. It you don't see a football. No. Yeah. It was very odd, and that was when I think Chad Kelly was there. And I think it was in, like, I'm pretty sure it was, like, 56 I was in high school. Um, and then I'm pretty sure when I got here, when they were doing, like, these tests, I'm pretty sure from, like, the 15 to 20-yard range it might have been, like, 43. Okay. You know? Um, and then, obviously, like, I was not throwing, you know, full speed at eight yards. Yeah. You know? And so, I <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you're right. I mean, it's just nothing that you really – you don't see radar guns yeah. in football, you know, just because it's not really – that crucial
1: yeah did you pitch did you I ever did. pitch how fast could you throw a fastball
0: so i stopped playing after my freshman year but i was in like i was like mid to upper 80s okay f- going like my, at the end of my freshman year so I, I feel like just with my body you know my 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 height I, um you know i don't know I, I guess you know it's hard to say yeah just because i stopped playing but yeah i did I, I pitched and uh and played shorts up did you like baseball i did yeah, yeah. i did a lot my brother played um and, you know, it was, I mean, I was always football in the fall and baseball yeah. in the spring. Um, and then it was really at the end of my freshman year was when football kind of started to pick up. You know, yeah. I got my first offer from UAB and then South Alabama and then, you know, Troy. And then it just kind of like started like – and then I sat down with my head coach and that was when I was like, you know, I'm going to have to make a decision here. Yeah. You know, and, and I could have been a dual sport athlete, but being a quarterback and a pitcher really is – I mean, that's just a lot of strain on, on an For arm in sure. an elbow. Um, and so that's when I was stuck with football, and I met with the baseball staff, and, you know, they completely understood it and just kind of moved on from there. What's been your lowest moment at LSU? Um, yeah, it's tough to say. You know, I, I mean, I just – you know, probably just – I mean I I personally would think maybe just like the struggle the struggle of freshman year and you know coming in and graduating high school May 30th and reporting on June 1st and you know just literally right after graduation having a day packing all my stuff up from home telling my family goodbye coming in moving into WCA you know like with Aaron Moffitt and Clyde and Matt Clapp and you know I had known like who I I knew Aaron and I knew Clyde you know but just like now I'm on my own at, you know I was 17 at that time mm-hmm. and then you know the next day we're starting summer classes and I have no idea where any classes are and then we're, we're starting workouts and then you know and then we had like you know we had like we call it football school and you know this is the new offense and you know you're taking the reps with the second you know I just it was <laughs> it was a really hard adjustment I remember that there was just times where you know I would just call my parents and I was just like you know this is this is just tough for you sure know? And, and it's just and, you know there's my parents who have supported me you know since i've been here and haven't missed a game which is crazy home or away since i've been at lsu you know they're just we're constantly just being positive and like look it's it's going to get better like it has to you know and, and so i just every time i'd wake up you know i was just like let's try to have a better day yes so i just think from there and just growing up and getting older and maturing and really understanding like getting a schedule and a daily routine and they're like, look, this is, this is part of it. And yeah. I just, I feel like it, it, I know it's, it definitely has gotten a lot better.
1: Yeah. The best way to teach a kid to swim is just throw them in the, just pool. In the pool. Just throw them in the just pool and they'll, they'll figure it, it drown, out. But yeah. if, if they sink, you just pick <laughs> just them up, pick and, up and start over. Yeah. Uh, last one for you. Um, I, I talked to a lot of you guys um, and most of y'all are just so football focused. Cause you have to be, as you just mentioned, like you get in this routine, it's what you have to do. Um, How much of your brain right now is football and how much of it is non football and then like the non football part? What do you what are you kind of doing is whether it's leisure or whether it's uh, Entertainment or whether it's like trying to learn something new or read a book like what's kind of the division there? And what what are the things you're doing away from football?
0: Yeah, I would say right now. It's probably like 90 10 I'd say 90 percent football Um, And, you know, just because we're not full go, you know, that's that other 10% where, you know, I still have to take – I'm still in classes, you know, I'm still having to do schoolwork, and that's kind of like the time where I get my mind off football to do these other things that I have to do. Um, But the little – I wouldn't call them off days, but the days that we don't have any football, um, you know, I – like you said, I enjoy hunting and fishing um, and and playing golf, and those are kind of my three things. I live by myself, which is, you know – some people agree with it. Some people don't. You know, I just I, – I personally like it just because when I get home from football or I get home from anything that I'm doing, I just like to be able to, you know, just relax and recoup yeah. and not have to deal with anybody else yeah. on the other side of the apartment. You know, and so I personally I, – I like that. But, you know, really hunting and fishing for me is just – it's really just a getaway. You yeah. know, just to go and be – whether it's in the woods or in the marsh and just, you know, just listen and just be out there. You know, see a sunrise, see a sunset and just – I have nothing on my mind, but, you know, just just thinking about life. You know, I, that's really what how I enjoy it. Um, and then golf is just really my my sidekick. I played in high school a little bit. Um, my high school coach wouldn't let me play um, until he left my senior year. So I, played, I got to play on the team my senior nice. year. But other than that, yeah, I just my buddies and I just go out and have a good time.
1: I, I try to tell my wife this all the time. She doesn't get it. There's there's beauty in solitude. Like, soli- there's something about just, just a little quiet time, a little mm-hmm. alone time that, you know, it's not just – it, it it restores you it makes right. you it makes you better for when you're not alone um right. last question for you since you brought up the golf best golfers on the team worst golfers on the team
0: okay so it's crazy because we really don't have that many golfers on the team yeah. which is crazy um i i used to always play with josh Um uh, okay. and him and i would play mostly on like sunday afternoons um and then, you know, unfortunately, he left and went and did his own thing, and so then I was kind of stuck here, like, man, I don't, I don't really have anybody <laughs> else to golf with. Like, I hate golfing by myself. Um, and you know, my my buddy from home would just drive in, literally, just go play on the weekends. Um, but then I then I started to play with Colby Burnett, and okay. like, him and I started playing, and then now he's gone. So I'm like, man, I can't get a break. Um, but I have been playing a lot with Walker Kenny, the other uh, okay. in the quarterback room, uh, and he's he's really not not that bad. We play at U Club yeah. over there, um, and so. I don't know. I, don't, I couldn't even tell you who's the worst one just because I really we might have all like, probably terrible. <laughs> yeah, we might have like three golfers on the team that actually like have a set of clubs. Yeah. So, so I'm still trying to find some guys to go play. But, yeah, I mean – that's one thing where, you know, you can enjoy being bad at, you know. Like yeah, you for sure. You can just laugh about a bad for shot. For sure. You know? it, if you're being serious, it's really a frustrating game, but I try not to get too serious with yeah. it.
1: I got a round on Saturday. My brother's getting married, so I got a round on, uh, on Saturday, and I'm not good, but I can hit it straight. That's, that's the most that's important thing. I, I can't get much air under it, but I can hit it straight, you know, 200 yards yeah. off the tee, and then, you know, I can't putt, do anything around the greens. But, uh, you know, you it's you're it right. There. It's good to be bad at. It's, it's a good sport to be right. bad at because you can get outside – you can get some peace and quiet, right. get away from you know yeah. everything and just relax. Right. All right, man. It was good catching All up righty. with you. Good talking with you. Um, sure. You got many more of these in your future. Not not necessarily with me, but speaking of, you know, people are going to keep comparing you to Joe. You've now done something that Joe never did. You were on the the podcast. The podcast Joe podcast, Joe nice. never Joe <laughs> never did it. So well, that's a good start. <laughs> uh, you're already breaking his record. So nice. Miles, thank you, man. Of course, thank you. Nights of gold, we fight to hold the glory the purple and gold come on you Tigers! us i said fight 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 victory for victory for victory for. victory.